These are stories of women, mothers, and enterprises filled with grit, gumption, and overcoming. Where in the midst of adversity, we see her rise up. She makes a choice. She chooses to emerge. I'm your host, Becca Erickson. podcast. I am here with Sarah Anderson, who is a Twin Cities mom of three and a business banker at Klein Bank. And you will never believe the adversity that came upon her. You might think, oh yeah, maybe something happened to a kid or something happened at the bank. But this is the kind of news you can't predict. So without further ado, welcome. Thank you. Happy to have you here. Will you tell us quickly first your transition into motherhood mm-hmm. and what that was like for you and your mm-hmm. husband? Okay, that was interesting. That's always is. You always think you have a great idea of things and then it's totally different than your expectations, which was totally true for my first one. She was born breech and I tried to do a natural birth and blah, blah, blah. And I say try, I didn't actually get to that point. But she came three weeks early, C-section, just right out the gate totally Mm. different than any of expectations that I've had before and then yeah (laughs) out the window yep (laughs) forget it now I see she was a challenging baby which Mm. I'm so glad to have as my first Mm -hmm. because then each one after they seemed so much easier yeah I got this not a problem but she was a challenge one separate huge separation anxiety starting young and Mm. lasting a long time so Mm. Only wanted to be with me, cried anytime a man was in the room, a mm. new person, wouldn't go to my husband. So that was, I never got a break. I was yeah. just on. And she's school age now, right? Yeah, she's seven. So that transition was okay? Or was it very clingy trying to get into kindergarten class? Kindergarten was a nightmare. Oh no! <laughs> she cried, I cried every single day until February. Oh my. And she would call me every day at 10.30 from her class. We did a lot of things. She did struggles with some anxiety issues. Sure. We did anxious to awesome yoga class for kids. We did, you know, all these kinds of things. Um, and like I said, she'd call me every day. And then all of a sudden, one day in February, 100 days into the school year, she just said, oh, um, I think I'm going to ride the bus now. I think I'm wow. going to be okay. And then first grade, not a problem. Second grade, piece of cake. Good. So good oh my goodness (laughs) and she was the influence of a teacher or another student I don't know I think it was just time she had a really hard time with kindergarten because I think in daycare she was so monitored you know there's somebody on her all the time and even her car seat was like a five-point harness and then we just you know threw her on a bus where there's no (laughs) seatbelts And she asked her teacher, like, one of the first days, she goes, can I, I need to go to the bathroom, what do I do? And the teacher said, oh, yep, just go. And that kind of freedom, I think, freaked her out after so much monitoring for so long. So Yeah, and she's a firstborn, too. Yeah. They want, Yeah. give me the structure. Yes, they need structure. She's so firstborn. And so she continues to be probably my biggest struggle. And because she's Mm -hmm. the first one going through all the stages, too, so. Sure. And then boy, boy? A girl. I have another girl, the okay. middle one, and then the youngest baby is a boy. Okay. Oh, 
fun. And the, they're a little more laid back then. Super laid back. Mm-hmm. Even we just signed up for dance now. And so we go do dance on Tuesday nights. And my oldest still needs me to stand outside her classroom looking at her through the window the entire time. But your middle daughter does My middle. And so she's like, I said to her, and she's five, almost five. And I said, is it okay if I stay at Nora's class versus go to see yours? And she goes, I got this. It's cool. (laughs) Love it. And she talks to the teacher. She's like, any updates? Okay, I'll go tell my mom. (laughs) She's she's just so much more laid back. Cute. That's cute. Okay. So then two in school. uh, Yes, like a pre-K. Yep. So second grade, a pre-K, and then baby. Just one. I know. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa. How did that all of a sudden happen? Right. Okay, so jump into the big wrench that got thrown into your guys' story. So yeah. it was one year ago. Right? Yes, almost exactly a year ago. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh um, I had had just had the third baby. He was five months old. I was breastfeeding, found a lump, and went mm-hmm. talked to my doctor about it. I didn't think it was anything. I thought it was breastfeeding related. You Not, did. Oh yeah. Sure. I was. I mean, I went to all the appointments, ultrasound, mammogram, biopsy, still thought absolutely nothing of it. Because they had kind of told me all along, because it was 32 at the time, you know, this happens when you're breastfeeding. Sometimes there's like a collection of cells and it's no big deal. Or who knows what. Right. I didn't think. Boobs are weird. Totally (laughs) weird. Especially during that time. There's maniac (laughs) things happening. So, (laughs) So I didn't think anything of it. And then I got a, after the biopsy, I got a call from Nurse Marlene, who I have different opinions yeah, I can about. tell the way you say her name. Yeah. <laughs> she said, called me at work at 4.30 on a Monday and said, um, are you at work or at home? I said, I'm at work. She goes, oh. So you're like sitting at the bank? Yep. About sitting, to take this call? Yeah. Oh, gosh. And she goes, oh, dear. Why don't you go home and then call me? You're like, no. I said, nope. You're going to tell me right now. I'm not going to drive home. Right. And she said, yep, it's cancer. You have breast cancer. Mm. Bye. What? And that was the whole conversation with Nurse Marlene. Uh, did she go to, like, an emotional intelligence class ever? I think she has since, maybe. Oh, okay. What, so I went home. Was she young or old? Older, much older. So forgot about bedside manner? I don't know. I don't know her deal. I've tried to... I, it was easy to direct anger at her because sure. getting the news, we were just, like I said, we weren't expecting it. I was totally blindsided. Yeah. Which Well, you're still breastfeeding a baby at this point. So you're like, Nurse Marlene is going to call and just say there's a little clumpy going on because you're nursing your baby. Right. right. So but then I, she's like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, you're going to have to find a surgeon. I'm like, okay. Wait, wait. I have no oh, idea okay. what to do, where to go, anything. So I just left immediately. Um, called my husband on the way home. Called my mom. She came over and watched the kids. And my husband and I just Googled. We're like ugh, completely blindsided. And we thought, we kept thinking this, okay, it's wrong. There's, so they said surgery on this one, this lump you found is the one problem, surgery on that. Yeah. But go find... Go, go figure it out. out. They didn't even give me that much info. She just said, go figure it out. Wait, so did you just, like, walk out of the bank and yep. be like, I'm not locking up tonight? <laughs> I locked, well, I am i don't need to lock up, but I cleaned off my desk and just left. Didn't talk to a soul. Usually I kind of, okay, bye, right. have a Check good night. Someone. Although no. as a business banker, it's not like you're the teller. Right, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't have to lock a drawer or anything, but no. 
definitely just walked out. Oh my. What'd your husband say? Um, same. I don't remember exactly, but blindsided. And we were just Googling. We're like, and we thought for sure this is a mistake. They got their information wrong. Something's up. Right. Um, I did have, when I went in for the ultrasound, we had the whole ultrasound and then a doctor came in for like two minutes and said, this is nothing. This happens when you're breastfeeding. It's a cluster of cells. Don't worry about it. Come back in three months. And so, okay. I thought that was great. And then he called me the next morning and said, you know, I couldn't sleep last night. I kept thinking about your images, and I think you should get a biopsy done. Oh. And that was amazing to me. And my doctor afterwards said that that was the big trigger for her, that something was up. She goes, yeah. radiologists never change their minds. Right. They he stick to their... Sleep. Yeah. But the fact that he... And I saw him for two minutes, maybe not even that uh. long. So it was unreal. So then you guys ended up finding, like, a surgeon? Or did you ask him? Like, hey, so, guy, no. you couldn't sleep. You right. <laughs> right. No, and what Marlene didn't tell me was that you get a cancer care coordinator. So oh. somebody called me the next day. From oncology. And, right. That walked me through everything. She signed me up. I'd already signed me up with an appointment with a surgeon. Because I have... Marlene have said? Right. You'll get a call mm-hmm. tomorrow about next steps. Right. It just that Some little line, passion. something would have been helpful there. Oh, and so that oh. I got a call from my cancer care coordinator who sets up all appointments and coordinates and makes sure that the doctors are talking to each other. Because yeah. at this point, you have like five doctors and umpteen nurses. And they she figure, kind of coordinates that all and makes sure that you're taken care of. Yeah. So she was great. And I had, in the meantime, because I didn't know what else to do, just scheduled an appointment with my primary doctor and was just like, help, (laughs) where do I go? Wow. And so by the time that appointment happened, I had already talked to my cancer care coordinator. So Yeah. And so then they were like, let's move on this pretty quickly? Or they were like... Yep. I had an appointment with... um, What does that do to breastfeeding? Were they like, you're going to be done They said... Well, once we got to the surgery, yeah, I had to be, I mean, I had a double mastectomy within two weeks, so. Okay, how do you grieve that? Like, bye boobs. Right. You were just nursing two days ago, mm-hmm. and now they can't he- feed a human life. Yeah, you're done. And that's... Oh, <laughs> so, breastfeeding is such an emotional thing anyway, and I think it is for anybody, whether you like it that's or don't hard. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and pumping. I love nursing. I hate I hate it, but it's a necessary evil. But, um, so it was hard to just be like, okay, you're done. This journey is over for you. Actually, you're done because we're cutting your boobs off. Right. (laughs) Yeah, they're, you're, they're done. I probably am supposed to be saying breasts. I don't know. We say boobs. (laughs) And in my house, we were super open with the kids. We said, mama has a bump in her boob. It's like an owie. We're going to cut my boobs off. And they were like, Okay. They thought that was hilarious. They didn't think I anything suppose. of it. They looked yeah. at my scars all the time. And they're like, can I see your boobs? And so I kind of flash yeah. them, you know, the nothing there. And they're like, hmm, gross. And then they would go off to do their own thing. I really think we kept it nice and even keel yep. for them. Yeah, right. As long as they could interpret at whatever level. Yeah. This is, and it wasn't anything to scare them about. They didn't know the cancer word, so. so oh. I I just, I can't even fathom how many things you had to grieve within like a two-week period. Yeah, it was short and fast. And we, so the diagnosis to surgery, like I said, was probably, maybe it was two and a half. I... 
but it was long because it was Fourth of July and doctors were out of you know the office and had to they had to coordinate two surgeons at the same time. So I had um, my regular surgeon who did the mastectomy and then a plastic surgeon. Right. So the way they do it is they cut them off and then they implant what's called an expander. Okay. And so then that's the plastic surgeon and then they come and seal it all off. Wow. So. But but some women don't have the plastic surgeon, right? You right. You could just like yep. stay You could just say, and... yep, I'm done mm-hmm. with this. They For me, they talked to me about it and they said, because I was willing to do all options. I, right. I actually had three options with my surgeon. It was lumpectomy, a single mastectomy where they just take off the cancer boob. Yeah. And then a double. And for me, it was such an easy choice to right, just like to do the double. Get all the cancer out of me. Right. And technically, they say, statistically, chance of recurrence for a lumpectomy is the same as a mis- double mastectomy, which just seems not right. Hmm. But I didn't even care. But they didn't find it anywhere else. Nope. Not so in, then in okay. surgery, they checked my lymph nodes because that's the next yeah. step. Yeah. And they everything was cool. They didn't find it anywhere else, so that was... The doctor came out after the first part of the surgery, and I was still under. Talked to my dad or my husband and my mom, and said, "This is the best possible outcome." True. So True. of a bad situation, we had the absolute best possible. I can't. I still. I there's no words. I can't fathom the concept of like feeling the deep womanhood connection with your child mm-hmm. to all of a sudden. That motherhood part gets stripped away, but then second, the womanhood part gets stripped away. Right. It's like, you don't have boobs, although we can give you some fake boobs. How do you want them to be? Right. (laughs) And that's why I opted for the double mastectomy, because with a single, okay, one, just aesthetically. Yeah. One's fake (laughs) and sagging down from nursing three children. Right. I know. One's seen some stuff, and the other one would be shiny and new. So I thought, you know, and plus I'd still have to get mammograms on the on the real sure. boob and other cancer preventing or yeah. things. So I just said, you know what, take them both. Yeah. I, I feel like they're a set and they should come as a set. Yeah. So that was an easy decision for me. I And I, I joked that, you know, I became a lot less attached to them when I found out they were trying to kill me. So, and I... I had the attitude of get the cancer out now. Mm. A lot of times treatment is chemo then. Right. And, you know, try to shrink it and so you can just do a lumpectomy and take it out or do different um, different things like that. And I wasn't interested in that at all. So they, get their the route out. was surgery, chemo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surgery first. So, but how do you reconcile losing the hair and the eyebrows and, like... I can I can see where you're like yeah boobs you're causing this problem I'm done with right. you but like what about all the other side effects that you don't you're that, like, I don't want to lose that right it was you know what the hair wasn't a problem at all either everything really? I viewed, you didn't care about your mm-mm. hair nope because you were like I can get a wig I can get a yeah cute scarf. I have scarves I can accessorize with sure. these scarves <laughs> I'm all about the, the accessories yeah <laughs> and we decided from day one I mean that first day we all cried our eyes out. Then we're like, you know what? We're going to treat this as lightly as possible. We're going to laugh about this. We're going to get through it. This is a little bump in the road. Sure. We thought that absolutely day one. And we're like, okay, let's do this. And then, oh, I have so many boob jokes that I would say. Like, even around the office, right before my surgery, nice. I would walk into somebody's office and say, okay, 
let me just get this off my chest. Ha, ha, ha. So tons of stuff like that. I had a boob voyage party before my surgery. And what else do we do? Did they break like a champagne bottle across your chest? (laughs) No, they should have. They should have. And then named them and then cut them off. Yeah, done. (laughs) And so then hair and eyebrows. Eyebrows I didn't have a problem with. Hair, my husband shaved my head. The girls, my kids watched. Okay. Mm Because it starts to fall out, and it's mostly just messy. Weird. There's just hair everywhere. That was smart to let the girls watch, too. Oh, they, they loved it. Yeah. They, they thought it was it so in... funny. Mm-hmm. They thought it was so funny, and there, we, and then we were joking, okay, who's next? And I called myself Britney Spears for that whole week. <laughs> we yes. just always treated it super light as much as possible. Yeah. And then what really was hard for me was, I think, four months into chemo, is when I lost eyelashes. And for whatever reason, that was very challenging. It was like my last bit of femininity. Sure. And I don't know why, but I just let myself experience it too. So anytime I had a bump, I just didn't fight it. I wanted to be as positive and as light as possible, but every time you have a feeling like that, I just let myself cry from over my eyelashes. And I had sort of that feeling of like, you shouldn't be crying over eyelashes, like get over it kind of a thing. And I just pushed that aside and said, nope, I get eyelashes crying today. That's... Yeah, I get to feel sad about it. And like right. you said, you kind of attach it to a deeper thing. Like that's my last little feminine part. Mm-hmm. Like n- now I don't have hair, eyebrows, or eyelashes. Mm-hmm. But then like does your armpit hair come off too? Yeah, everything. It does? Yeah. Oh. I know. It was over winter, which I'm like, oh, man. Uh, Leg hair, arm, nose hairs, everything goes. So that's a weird kind of feeling. Does it come back, like, hairier, though? No, I don't think so. Oh, so it's still kind of nice? Yeah. It's about the same. (laughs) Sure. And the hair comes back totally different. It's super-duper curly, which happens with chemo. Dark and curly. Dark, yeah. yeah. I know, compared to, yeah, two years ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um... I think with the eyelash thing, too, is, like, eyebrows, you can kind of look at yourself and be like, I still have the same face. But when mm-hmm. you lose your eyelashes, it's like, wait, my eyes look like I have nothing. Mm-hmm. Like my little eye frames are gone. Mm-hmm. It's very bare. Right. And You're I like, I just look sick now. Yeah. Now, I think that was it. That's hitting the nail on the head, is that then I looked sick. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit hard for me in the morning when I first woke up. I'm totally yeah. bald. I don't have eyebrows on. I don't have my eyelashes on, and I'm, you know, pale. It's winter, and I I didn't go outside all summer long because right. I was recovering. Treat. And it, I look sick in the morning, whereas any other time I could kind of fake it, throw on the wig, right. draw on eyebrows, fake eyelashes, but it was rough that first look in the morning, which I think is hard anyway, you know. You know, I would like to say that last October I saw you with your wig and you looked like bomb diggity. You did not look (laughs) sick. You were super put together. You were like total business banker. Uh, I would never have known except then we started talking about it. But Mm -hmm. because I'm like, ooh, I like her haircut. And you're like, yeah, it's a wig. (laughs) You didn't look sick to me. I think, and maybe at that point, you were just like, I have resolved to Mm -hmm. get over this. Mm -hmm. I went, I did go to a class that was offered through the hospital that was called Look Good, Feel Better. Mm -hmm. And it did talk about that of cancer patients. If you 
you know, it seems so simple, but drawing on your eyebrows every day, if you do that, you just feel better. You feel healthier. So true. And you just, like I said, don't feel like a sick person. Right. Well, so. you think about the affect of anyone, even just putting pants on instead of pajamas mm-hmm. or putting a suit on for an interview rather than just what you will normally. I mean, mm-hmm. there is an affect change about appearance that touches confidence, that touches your entire affect of self. Right. I, I get it. It's I, like your favorite shirt. It's like, oh, you feel great all day. Yes. So. Agreed. That's so nice they offered that. So that was just part of oncology is like, here's mm-hmm. this look good, feel better class. Yep. Take they, it. Yep. Taught you how to do a wig. Taught you how to do the scarf. Taught you how to draw on eyebrows, which the best tip I learned from that was um, they're sisters, not twins. Yeah. So then I didn't obsess over getting them perfectly Perfect. equal. And, yeah. So, like, when you drew them on, you were using, like, a pencil? Mm-hmm. Like, and they look like hair instead of pencil? Yeah. You don't, I mean, you don't do one big swoop line. Right. You just do lits a little hairline coloring. And what color did you choose? Like, how did you know? This will look pretty natural. Yeah. We'll see. Well, and then part of that class, too, you get this huge bag of amazing free makeup. Like, good cool. quality makeup. I mean, the makeup tips from the class were helpful. Right. They were okay, but that goodie bag was the best that's awesome that was really nice so they have a partnership with like some of these top brands cosmetics Mm -hmm. yeah and i top brands top brand um eye cream night cream you know the whole package so it was really nice i didn't have to go figure out how to buy an eyebrow pencil yeah that was just in my package that someone made a mission and a cause out of that i love that yeah that that was probably a cancer survivor who did that (laughs) Who said, yeah, you know what? Eyebrows are important. I wished I would have had this. I'm mm-hmm. going to yeah, partner up with cosmetics. That's cool. So the eyelash thing was probably like one of the bad days yeah. for you. Yeah, I probably had two really bad days. The eyelash day and one day in the summer, which summer is my my time. It's my favorite time of year. I love Minnesota summers. Yeah. And it was a Saturday, and my whole family went out to a friend's pool and had the best day ever. They went swimming. They ran around with, like, chickens on this farm. <laughs> they went horseback riding, and I kind of, and I was literally just stuck on the couch. Because you were sick? Because or I was frail? Um, recovering from surgery. Yeah. It's a oh. long recovery process, and you can't lift your arms. So I had to keep my elbows, like, right. tight. So I can't do anything yeah you can't ride a horse yeah yeah absolutely and I'm, I have drains coming out of me and it's just sitting there and I just bawled I bawled all day by myself and it's like I don't want my family home to sit home Being, in the middle of the summer yeah. just watching me like go have fun I'll be fine here and but it, I love that you let yourself feel the feelings mm-hmm. you know your your general disposition is like oh I can get through this we're gonna stay positive but that you were like, no, if there's a day that I just need to ball my eyes out, I'm going to feel the tension of, like, actually allowing myself to do that. Because I normally don't, you know. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I had to just grow up. Right. Get yeah. over it. Buck up. Pull myself up. Mm-hmm. And then this experience kind of allowed you to tap into, like, wait a second, my body is having, like, a visceral conversation with my heart of, like, hey, you can let the tears out. Mm-hmm. Everybody left you to go swimming in the right. post and You can cry. Yeah, and allowing myself to do that and just say, yep, this is a this is a cry day. And, uh, uh, and you have reason. Right, right. Like, you have permission because, oh, mm, 
you get cancer in your young 30s. How many other people were they like, oh, yeah, we've had several 30-year-olds get double mastectomies? It's pretty rare. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm tuned in to some other support groups, Oops. it does happen, unfortunately. I but can't remember so the percentage rare. now. Yeah, I think it's way less than 5%. Like, I don't even know uh, on one hand how many women I could count that have had a mammogram by 30. Because mm-hmm. now it's 40, isn't it? Right. Because... Uh, my last time I was in there, I was like, hey, do I ever have to get a mammogram? And mm-hmm. they're like, nope, not till you're 40. I mm-hmm. was like, wait, what? Yeah. Because I, I have, like, you, I have these friends who, I was like, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Which that's where you really push for self-breast exams. I mean, I know they say to do it. And I was really good about it before. I even pushed my friends to do it. And some of them came back to me and said, oh, isn't that, not funny, but isn't it odd that you, you were, were the one them. pushing, like, breast, breast health and yeah, really. And so self-breast exams are so important. And then I'd push for early mammograms. But yeah, some, you know, you can feel a lot with yourself. I could feel easily feel mine, but I thought it was a milk-related thing. Who, who a, wouldn't? Right. Yeah, I would have. Mm-hmm. Huh. So we're so complex. Our bodies are just... And the fact that even through surgery and chemo, your body kept you alive. Mm-hmm. And they did this other test on me right away that was on my TIF cells, which I guess are cells, healthy cells attacking the cancer. And my TIF cells, because I have a really aggressive cancer, it's grade three of three, it's and it's um, it's called triple negative, which means they don't know what feeds it really, oh, and so that's a little bit scary. If you have an estrogen-fed tumor, then you just block estrogen, done, sure. and that helps kind of quell it. Um, in my case, they don't know what feeds it. It just mm-hmm. was growing. It was growing rapidly and growing based on they didn't know what. Mm-hmm. And so they did this test of my TIF cells, which were aggressively attacking the cancer, which was awesome. I felt healthy right. just hearing that, that these other cells Your were good like, fighters yeah, I'm like, hard. get after it. Let's do it. Huh. So. Which I'm sure that mental, that mindset helps. I'm sure yeah. it's all holistic. And, oh, yeah. But then were you like, well, because they don't know. Maybe I could narrow it in on, like, should I eat less red 40 or sugar? Yeah. Or do I not hang around Clorox? I mean, yeah. Because like, where does it know. come from? Yep. And they didn't really spend any time figuring out where it came from. They weren't interested. Right. I, I did, I'm sure it's a waste of their time. Yeah. I did a genetics test, um, and I don't have the breast cancer gene. So that was narrowed out pretty quickly. Um, and otherwise, they said, oh, yeah, weird. We don't really know. And it could be anything. My What I've done differently since then is I try to limit my lotions and my soaps to be sure. all natural. Yeah. Just because there's so much crap in there that we don't need. And an, an all-natural soap or an all-natural lotion mm-hmm. is, you know, equal or better for you. Yeah. It doesn't have maybe the, all the smells. But, right. oh, you know, wow. how, yeah, how necessary is that? Okay. And I've just gone to, and I stopped using deodorant, although I mm. told my oncologist that. And she's like, you have to wear deodorant. People, right. you need to work and people need to be around you. <laughs> but I feel, I haven't used it in the last year. And I kind of, I don't, haven't found that I needed it. Sure. I kind of do, I told my husband, like, tell me if you ch- Yeah, will you check, you know, you'll tell me, right, if I'm to yeah. that point. And he's like, oh, yeah, you don't, you're fine. And so I, I just have coconut oil. I use coconut oil for deodorant. I use coconut it in my oil hair. Is amazing for everything. Yeah. Put it on my eye, you know, to help my eyebrows grow. Put it in my hair when it was growing. I, like, put it <laughs> everywhere now. <laughs> it's my go-to. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> will you, as we kind of wrap this up, will you tell me, um, 
You talked about your eyebrows. You talked about the day in summer. And maybe it's none of those things. Maybe it was wondering if you'd ever be the same kind of banker or the Mm -hmm. same kind of mom. Will you take me to kind of the day when the walls fell around, Mm -hmm. the earth started shifting, and you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to make it? Right. Is this my life? Yeah. What was left for you? It was... It was the quiet time, so kids are all asleep, I'm going to bed, or I wake up in the morning and everybody's still asleep. It was yeah. it was easy to f- not fake it or put on a brave face when the kids were around because I didn't want them to start to freak out. But it was in those other quiet times where I started to think, and before surgery, where we didn't know how bad it was, and thought, what if I have a year? What if yeah. that's all I have left? And my kids were five months, three and five, Ugh. And mm. processing through that, thinking the f- they might not even have memory of me. Mm-hmm. I've been their mom for this long, and they don't even the five year old maybe, but they don't even won't even remember me. And that was incredibly hard. That was probably the hardest time. And um, doing everything I could to spend time with them and make it light mm-hmm. for them and have them just have normal kid lives was mm. kind of my. Mission. Right, right. And they were, if I can you know, do it for them, I can. Right. Whatever it. amount of time I'm given, I'm going to make it the mm-hmm. best for them. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't that dramatic. I'm fine. I've, I'll, this is good. I'm doing awesome. I go for tests every four months and just do blood work and scans, and everything's looked really good. Yeah, and you have hair and eyelashes. Hi, hair. Yeah. And you, all three kids are making memories with you. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, I tell you, it's a story of adversity that no one predicts when you're living this nice suburban banker life with mm-hmm. three kids mm-hmm. going to dance classes and, <laughs> yeah. you know but the things I admire about you is that you take things head on you try to stay positive and on the days when you just need to like feel the tension and feel the feelings you let yourself do it I think that's part of what healed you, mm-hmm. you yeah know? absolutely I also had a caring bridge and I blogged about mm-hmm. everything cathartic that yeah. was so therapeutic for me I'd get home from an appointment and they, I heard this word, but I don't totally mean it, understand what it means. So then I'd go Google and figure it out and read these different sites. And then I'd explain it in my blog. Yeah. Which that was incredible. Then you felt like you were an educator and an advocate to other people. Absolutely. Right? We have to have like this Yeah. Purpose. Yeah. I <laughs> felt like forward. I could, yeah, help other people through yeah. this little experience. Right. Did Based. you feel like any, anyone ever said something that was not helpful? Like, please don't ever say that to me. Yeah. Oh, so many things, so many things that are, people don't know what to do. And every time I went back to that, they don't know. Yeah. They don't understand. Right. I'll excuse that. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I had an aunt that had breast cancer. She died. <gasps> I got that a lot. Or I knew, no, somebody, 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 somebody who had breast cancer. So, and they they were fine, so you'll be fine. So it was kind of the extremes. Don't right. extreme take it to the level of, you know, somebody who died or somebody told me I did have a pulmonary embolism last fall. That was a scary thing. And I blogged about it and somebody commented and said, oh, that's a death sentence. Oh my word. And it's and like, you're like okay. all right. I deleted that for sure. Cause I'm like, no, I don't need that in my life. That's a huge negativity. And then the Good other extreme of taking it so lightly. And I know where they're going with it. It's like, oh, you've got this. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Right. Like, no. Trying to encourage you, but you're like, there is some gravity to my situation. Right. I know mm-hmm. I know I've got it, but not without effort and yeah. it's gonna be a struggle. What's the best thing someone said? Uh this sucks. Yeah. 
That was, I have, I saved a That's comment. That's like the most empathetic thing. I know it. Literally. Like, mm-hmm. someone's in the hole. When you crawl in the hole with them, your presence is one great yes. thing. And then just saying, this is a hole. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry we're stating the obvious here, but let's just state the obvious instead of giving platitudes all over people who are hurting. Right. Yeah. The best thing mm. that people could say was, this sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. This you know, anything of that nature. The other thing that was worse was silence, was people not saying anything. I know people knew, or I had best friends that fell off the face of the earth. They just didn't know what to do. Because they didn't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't do anything. Anything. Just a check-in. Hey, how you doing today? And that I found was a a response, just that today added on to how are you, Right. Isn't makes it less casual. Like, right. oh, how are you? How are you doing? Whatever. That's so right. Minnesota. Is it a good day or Minnesota bad day? Nice. How is yeah. it today? How are you doing today? How is your health today? Something like that was just an added level of, mm. oh, you're asking about my cancer. Because sometimes too, I don't, I don't know. Is somebody just saying that Minnesota nice? Like, how are you? And I just say, good. How are you? You know, it's just automatic. <laughs> or I can strengthen and be like, well, um, I'm yeah. actually fighting. <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle of something here. Wrestling with, you know, my whole generative plan with my three children. Because you're like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, and some people wanted that whole thing and I didn't know they wanted it. And I was very open to talk about whatever, yeah. but I just, you got to tell me what you're looking for yeah. a little bit. So like I yeah. said, just that. How are you doing today? Or how's your health? How was your appointment? How are your treatments going? Yes. A more specific question. And then the other thing that was huge was people said, everybody said, let me know what I can do. Mm. And that's, I've read a lot about that. And that's kind of putting the burden back on me of, there's so much, there's so overwhelming and so many things to do to try to figure out a task that's appropriate for you and that you'd like and, you know, and not too much because... I gotta be Midwesterny, and um, that was challenging. So if someone is like, "Hey, what's your favorite flower?" That'd be like, "Okay, okay. I know they're gonna." Or, "Hey, I'm gonna bring you a meal." Mm-hmm. Then they're telling you what they're gonna do, and yep. you're gonna invite them in a certain day, right? Or, More yeah. specific. Okay. Can I come over and do your laundry? Can I come over and vacuum? Yeah. And like picking a task, and then all I, all the victim or person patient has to do is just say yes. Awesome. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. And then put the back on them still to say, yes, is this okay? Um, yeah. You know, they might have different feelings about that. I love that. That's a great tip. So that was helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I tell you, lady, you're a real fighter. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story of how you had to rise up out of really surprising news mm-hmm. and cut off the breastfeeding and cut off the breasts. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. um, but it's so fun to see you back into banking and at women's events and business events and, mm-hmm. you know, just not giving up. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we learned from you, Sarah Anderson. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Emerge Mothers Academy, a Twin Cities nonprofit equipping single moms through social work, counseling, work preparation, and a microloan grant program. We believe all moms can emerge as confident women and caring moms. To get involved or support us, please visit EmergeTwinCities.org. The Two Emerge podcast is brought to you by Emerge Mothers Academy. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a positive review. A special thanks to our media manager, Laurel Goulson, and to Jessica Manning for our music. <laughs>